Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Route, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between food producers and food consumers. Today is, uh, oh, look at that. It's Wednesday. We better check in on J.C. Cole. And undisc- You're wearing a jacket on June 1st and is New Jersey chilly? It is. It was. It's like a sixty degrees in here, and we we had turned off our heating system. So, at the, yeah, it's a bit nippy. Boy, I, doesn't that speak volumes, though? Because look, we, our our parents did not keep us at an ideal temperature so that we could wear shorts and a tank top all day around the house. And now we've right. had such a an availability of a reasonably priced energy supply that we do that. And we're coming to a time when we better not do that because you're not going to have electricity. I'm going to have in my hands within seven days, JC, a report that is going to be submitted to Congress to show how what you, you've you been telling us for two years is going to happen, is going to happen in yep. 2023. Intermittent electricity is the best hope we have for this winter, fall and winter of the upcoming year. Yeah. You know, it, it reminds me of my first trip to Europe. Uh, when I was just, um, I was about 18, and uh, <clears throat> we went to Belgium to uh, Antwerp uh, for a wedding, and we stayed at the um, the family's house, which was a like a multi-story townhouse kind of. And I was, and it was during the the fall. I was just amazed how how cold it was. They kept the entire house like at 50 degrees. And uh, so this was like 1975, and they only had one room heated to like maybe 70 or 65 degrees. That would be like the the kitchen uh, meeting room kind of. Um, but the, the the rest were quite cold, and we we just even at that point didn't realize that um, how frugal Europe was and still rebuilding from the war. Even in my lifetime, particularly in this part of the world, the Great Plains of America, uh, there was a time when you had the wood-burning stove in the middle of the house, whatever room that may have, may be, and mm-hmm. then you you do, everybody kind of lived there, so to speak, and then you went to your bedrooms, which were not nearly as controlled in temperature, and that's changed yeah. in my lifetime, and now I see it coming back, and even more interestingly. The insurance companies have put pressure on homeowners not to have wood-burning stoves. <laughs> so people got rid of their wood-burning stoves at a time when, oh, wait, I wish I had a wood-burning stove. Yes. I actually, I actually when, um, uh, when I came back uh, from Latvia, I brought our wood-burning stoves. So I have like four sitting in the, uh, the barn hayloft waiting to be installed in, in an emergency. Well, you got four rooms covered. Oh, well, our entire house is uh, heated with wood. I put in a a, a large outdoor wood burner. Oh. And I'm, I'm trying to personally change the um, the CO2 level uh, on Earth. <laughs> yeah. Well, did you see the announcement on May 15th? Uh, I knew that it was there, but I didn't really go read it and zero in on it until this week or yesterday. 
that Summit Agricultural Group, parent company behind Summit Carbon Solutions, which is capturing all of the CO2 from ethanol plants and coal-fired plants, is partnering with Honeywell, the jet engine manufacturer, to build the world's largest ethanol plant at the Gulf of Mexico. Go figure. There's a lot of unanswered questions in that statement. And it's also announced that in September of last year, the Air Force flew one jet, which was fueled by CO2. So your reduction of CO2 is actually making it tougher to create new level, new generation fuel, JC. You better rethink this. Right. Um, there, there's an awful lot of rethinking this week. <laughs> I, I, I be, let that a, be your segue. Right. <laughs> I'd sent you, I'd sent you, um, uh, an article, the USA's most secret plane. The TR-3B patent is now public domain. And so for people who don't know, that means that the um, the TR-3B is our anti-gravity machine. That's the triangle. And all you have to do is do a, a web search on that and you'll find it. And um, that they finally admitted that it exists as the patents are now available. And so... Behind the scenes, what really is, we have had anti-gravity since the late 70s. Um, who was it? It was Teller um, who uh, who invented it, the father um, of anti-gravity for us. And, and so it comes up to a, a very simple question. Um, okay, we were lied to for 40 years that it existed. And they actually haven't really come out and said, okay, we lied to you. But if they lied to us about anti-gravity, then what else are they lying to us about? Like fossil fuels, um, oil. Did anybody ever find any fossils in oil? Mm, no. In, in the, yeah. Or how about Tesla technology? Not the car, the man. Or how about the cure of cancer? Look up Dr. Royal Rife. Or and and we'll, or, or how about our social security money <laughs> that they claim is now a benefit that we paid into our whole lives? Um, or how about the Federal Reserve has never been audited in over a hundred years? That's controlling our currency. That's just how for about, starters. Yeah, <laughs> how's that for some rabbit holes? Yeah. Right? And so this this is all coming this is all coming at this time. M- meanwhile, they've got us distracted with this um uh how would you say carbon um uh, climate change myth that they just won't give up on. I mean, it's been disproven and disproven numerous times, but they you know they there's they just won't stop. What are they doing? That's, that's a better question. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And they're trying to rein in control um, of, well, now it's going to be um, uh, currencies. Um, what would it be? Uh, central bank digital currencies. They're going to try and get in. Now be complete control over us. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll say, no, we, we, we can't buy Trent's 
um, uh, pork bellies. We can trade. We can barter. Well, that that part's true, um, but they're going to come down on that too. They're going to try. And yeah, so yeah, this, good luck. Uh, this is, this is yesterday, battle. JC. I don't know if you caught roll route, but yesterday morning, before we started the program, Andrew was read a full note that he got from his bank in London. I assume it's London. I think it's based in London. He probably doesn't have a, he probably has a branch. I don't know. It doesn't matter that there was this big long disclaimer about if you want to withdraw cash here, I'll just give you the moral of the story. If you want to withdraw cash, we reserve the right to say, no, you can't take your cash out of our bank. Right. Nobody, nobody saw that coming. No, no. Well, Almost nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly played. But, but and and then the the other thing, it's not his cash. You know, the IMF changed the laws too, um, saying that as soon as you deposit money into the bank, it is now the property of the bank, and you are um, just a um, a claimy um, um, on on part of their assets. So this was. For us, I think it was changed in 2014. Um, they, they they changed the law. I remember so, when that quietly happened during the Obama years. Yes, a lot of things quietly happened during the Obama years. Like like they changed the law that uh, uh, the United States government could now use propaganda on its citizens. Don't see any of that happening. Uh, <laughs> they may maybe didn't have a law, but that's been happening for a long time. Yeah, but now now it's legal. Yeah, so I watched and, uh, a video of Dwight Eisenhower's brother explaining to the American people that when we are taking these Japanese folks from their homes, we're ripping them from their homes. We're actually giving them a service. We're protecting them. We're putting them in a very safe place until we get through this tired of or this period of of tumultuous activity. And we're protecting these Japanese Americans. You're putting them in a prison camp. That's what you were doing. Roll out. We'll right. be back with more JC Cole after this. I just had a thought. I got to get back to JC on this. Maybe in the second half, his father is a World War II veteran. This is the week, if no other week, we say thank you to those that we have lost in the battle for our freedom. I don't know how many conversations I've had in the past year. Of, we we fought for this. Yeah, we fought for this. You fought for this. And now we're fighting to continue. TheWallOfHonor.org brings it to life. Welcome back. Roll route. Trent Loose alongside J.C. Cole. I think right, so we've so, been lied to by the government. I, I don't know where this conspiracy whack job comes from. Yes. And, and, and so what was it about last week? Our, uh, our Alzheimer patient in the White House was giving a speech to Howard University. And, and anybody knows Howard University is, is a black, uh, college, very famous black college, right? And he actually, the president actually came out and said, White supremacy is the single most dangerous terrorist threat in our homeland. This is the leader mm -hmm. of our country. Not, no, he is not. Do not be confused. No. He is not. 
Well, he is confused. But, yeah, but um, well, you be confused. He's not leading anything. But but right there, you know, this is this is divide and conquer. This is yeah. trying to trying to provoke a civil war. Yeah. I mean, I would think that he could be arrested for inciting violence. Not if, with this jurisdiction, not with this justice system. <laughs> right. That's if he can remember where he is, but we we won't go that 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 way. So so and and now we have a what is it the um, the, the energy commissioner warns us major threats to the power grid. I guess he's been listening to our program. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so why don't we just all run out and get electronic, uh, you know, electric uh, uh, vehicles. And well, electric. I, I mean, how gullible can people be? We continually d- m- gravitate towards more and more electric demand at a time that the government is crippling the reliable supply of electricity. This is not rocket science. You don't need to know how to build a jet engine from CO2 to say, wait, this doesn't add up. Something is really wrong here. What This is the American people should say, I I need more information because it's not clear why you're dismantling this Delta Utah large coal-fired power plant when and decimating the electric supply when you're in mandating more electric use, what gives? Right. Yes, and and of course you know the, you looked at what happened with um, was it uh, this uh, governor of New York State um, uh, Hochul has made it that okay you're not going to be able to have um, a gas uh, a stove or gas heating in the future buildings. So how are you going to heat and how are you going to cook? Well, if you cook, you cook on electric. What happens when there's a blackout? You don't cook. <laughs> you won't cook. Yeah. Actually, when there's a blackout, then the water system stops running for New York City. They haven't figured that out yet. And uh, they get the drink out of the Hudson River. Right. Without the ability to boil the water because the electricity is off. I mean, I'm telling you, the greatest challenge for electricity and survival is water. We we have a water supply. I, I've been doing a little surveying of my own place. I have four cisterns on this place, JC. Yeah. You know, you know what that means. People don't think about that. They just think it's some hole in the ground, or just like a. a Oh, isn't this a pretty lawn ornament? We got this little lever thing on top of this metal and a hole in the ground. They don't realize that when this house was built, that was the water supply. You had to go to that pump and hand pump it to get a bucket of water to carry in the house to boil. That's how how it worked. Right, right. We actually, in um, our house, part of our house is really old, back to probably the Revolution. And uh, and, uh, one day I, I... had a crawl space and I crawled under there and I found a cistern in inside the house. Hmm. Yeah. Or not a cistern more. I'm sorry, a well. Yeah. So, so yeah, we, we've just forgotten about all this stuff. Right. We, 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 we're being seduced by convenience. Actually, Actually, my grandparents home when I was a kid, we still had gutter. Well, we still, we have gutters on the house, but we take it to the end of the house and let it run, run in the grass. As a kid, the water on the roof went into the cistern 
and we use water from the cistern at my grandmother's house. Yeah, yeah. So these are things to uh, to remember. Right. So so we're looking at um, you know this crazy world. Um, well, the, the first is the uh, the volcano in Mexico outside of Mexico City, which I cannot ever pronounce. I just call it Popo. Um, uh, that looks like it's going to go off or it's starting to rumble. Now, you've got up in that region about 50 million people. So if that volcano explodes, you're going to have 25 million people head north and 25 million people head south. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so that's a real good reason to have a wall, <laughs> you know, a very tall wall, because people will be panicked and in survival mode. And now what happens is we're looking we're looking at major volcanoes going off. I think um, Etna in uh, Sicily went off again. And what we most people don't know, one of, well, one of my degrees is in geology, is that we've had an exponential growth in uh, volcanoes, earthquakes, and sinkholes over the last 40 years, and that the USGS is fudging the numbers. Of course, you can't tell that unless you really knew what was happening. So what would be the motivation for that? Because most of what comes out of government is sensationalized climate. And here we have a serious natural change that you would think they would tie into their whole climate change narrative, but yet they they try to minimize the true impact. Why why would that be? Well, I think that they, they know what's happening and they're, they're just hiding that data from us. If you listen to John Moore, um, he said that in, you know, we look at earthquakes on the Richter scale. Now, the mm-hmm. first thing is the Richter scale is log, log rhythmic. So, so it's a multiple of 10 going from a, a seven to an eight. Well, um, John Moore says that they just took one full number off in the eighties. So what was a 1970, let's say, um, eight level, um, would be registered this year as a seven. So that's, that, that's a tenfold change. That's one. And then right. the other thing, if every time you see an earthquake, you'll see that the USGS will downplay it uh, um, um, by, let's say, 0.3 or 0.4. They'll downgrade it. And if it was like a 7.1, they downgrade it to like a 6.9. That puts it in the category of six. And at the end of the year, they give you the total for six. You know, how many sixes there were, right? right? But it was actually a seven. So they're fudging the numbers, and they're fudging the numbers, of course, logarithmically. Um, so what, what we're looking at is our, our nice blue planet is becoming active. So w- what's activating it? What, what is going on that's, you know, stirring up? Um, this uh, this internal motion. Do you have an right. answer for that? Oh, well, I think it's related to the sun. That uh, you know we're going into a maunder minimum, and the sun is um, um, how would we say it? Um, uh, going into different phases. We have a, a very large amount of sunspots and and CMEs firing off right now. We're not 
so the grand solar minimum is a 400 year cycle and there's 11 year cycles in that. And so we're in the middle of the 25th cycle, which means that we should get um, someplace about um, uh, 2004 to 2005, a maximum of sunspots for the 11 year cycle, which basically at the same time, our magnetosphere is weakening. It's the weakest we've ever seen it where we are now getting UVA, UVB, and UVC hitting the surface. Um, um, and what, what that's in telling us is that we may get a Carrington event. And in 30 seconds or less, a Carrington event is? Ah, uh, yes. A Carrington event is a super X-level uh, X flare, probably about 40 to 44 which um, sends a massive magnetic wave, um, and our grid is not hardened, so so it creates electricity in our grid, feeds back and blows up our transformers and knocks out regions to maybe the whole country of electricity for a very long time. Other than that, life is grand. We'll be back with the second half of Roll Route right after this. Let's spend a moment and talk about a tender beef eating experience. It's called Certified Piedmontese. A plethora of protein is what I call it. You can find not only beef, you can find uh, Wagyu, which is beef, by the way. (laughs) I didn't mean to do it that way. You can find pork. You can find seafood. You can subscribe. But the core product and the ground beef, the ground beef plant in Lincoln is state of the art. Folks, Certified Piedmontese is becoming the sole supplier you need for your protein needs. And it all comes from animals, by the way. Details about the Certified Piedmontese system and what the Piedmontese breed has brought to the beef business in terms of tender, guaranteed eating experiences that you'll want time and time again. CertifiedPiedmontese.com Welcome back. Trent lives alongside J.C. Cole, and uh, J.C., I think we should divert. Well, it's not really a diversion because it's all part of where we're at today. You know, Memorial Day is coming up this weekend, and you on several of occasions have referenced your father in World War II. Um, I thought we should just spend a little time talking about exactly what he did because it's it's kind of a extraordinary from what I have gathered. Well, what he did, yes, and what many many of our uh, soldiers did. Um, my father was a um, a bomber pilot uh, during World War II. He flew a B twenty five, which were the smaller ones. If you call, uh, was it uh, Doolittle's Raiders used B twenty fives, and he was over the European. Um, uh, area. Um, so he, he ended up actually flying two tours. He was on the second tour. He could go home after the first tour that he got through. Um, and, uh, he was shot down twice, both times landing in the, um, uh, uh was it, um, uh, the British sea hmm. and, and getting rescued and kept flying, but also, um, you know, he, uh, he, uh, flew a glider, uh, into the Battle of the Bulge because, as you know, um, one of the armies got trapped and they were uh, out of, out of supplies. So they flew in gliders. So they grabbed the bomber pilots and a few other pilots and those things, the nickname flying coffins. 
so he's in the, the Battle of the Bulge. Um, and at the end of the war, um, they uh, he had security clearance um, um, because he had flown so much. And they, they flew, he flew the third relief plane into Dachau, um, the concentration camp. And of course, pilots would often have the famous um, Kodak Brownie. So he had original pictures of Doc Cow. And I was quite a, uh, <clears throat> how do you say it? A uh, mischievous young kid. And <clears throat> I would get into his some, work. Some things never change, but go on. True, true. I got into his war chest and, and would be looking at these pictures at the age of 10. Just, you know, couldn't, couldn't fathom what it was. Just piles of bodies. I mean, piles, you know, seven foot piles of bodies that he had taken um and one one day he um he he burnt all the pictures i think it was oh. part of yeah i th- i think it was part of his healing because my my mom said that when he came back from the war um he used to wake up you know uh, with nightmares screaming in the night from i guess what he got to see and do so so he um and and um uh when I was growing up, every once in a while, he would pick out a piece of flack that had surfaced. You know, they, you know, the the the, the bombers of pilots would actually the crew would get hit so much with flack, the little pieces that it was best just to leave it there and wait till it came to the skin and then pick it out. So, but he's kind of um, a little bit on the famous side in that at the end of the war he had. Um, uh, clearance, and so he delivered the eight top Nazi prisoners to the Nuremberg trials. They flew them in, and uh, and so that uh, um, uh, log I sent you is his flight plan or his flight log of of the, those prisoners. So we got to meet them, um, and he was he was a uh, um, co-pilot. And, and actually, that's his handwriting. He was responsible to write up the, uh, um, the log. So, and, uh, so he delivered, uh, Hermann Goering, who was the commander in chief of the Luftwaffe, um, to, uh, to Nuremberg. Um, and von Ribbentrop, who was the minister of foreign affairs, who, uh, actually signed the von Ribbentrop, uh, Molotov agreement with Soviet um, the Soviet Union, um, Kesselrink, uh, Yodel, um, uh, Kettle, um, and F- Frank, uh, who was in charge of all of Nazi, uh, uh Nazi Poland and all the, um, uh, the, the, uh, labor camps and, and concentration camps. But also, uh, Donetsk, and, and, and not many people know that he, uh, Donetsk, uh, replaced Adolf Hitler when Hitler was reported to have committed suicide in the bunker. So Donetsk was the highest level, um, um, Nazi at that time. And I think, I'm not sure who actually signed the surrender, uh, documents. But yeah, so he, he, uh, met these guys and, um, and delivered them to uh, Nuremberg. Um, and uh, that uh, flight log is in some 
Air Museum, I think out west, like in Illinois someplace. I, I don't know. But, uh, and that was, um, I didn't know this. I knew that he had met Goering and delivered Goering, but I didn't know that the rest of them. And, and so I was over in Latvia rebuilding after the damage caused by the von ribbentrop Molotov agreement. Um, and uh, <clears throat> my... Uh, let's see, family friends was uh, um, the uh, 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 top one of the top generals captured uh, during the Vietnam War and spent like six or seven years in the Hanoi Hilton. Later went on to run um, NORAD and he was retired. Uh, Dave Wynn, I think it was General Dave Wynn. And when he heard this story, he tracked down this. Um, this flight log and, and gave a copy of it to my mom. So there, there are many fascinating parts of this JC. Number one, uh, I hope I can come back to what, what else I want to talk about. But um, number one, we, we can't in any way, shape or form imagine the guilt, the nightmare, the PTSD before it was called PTSD that individuals, and not just World War II, but individuals who serve in war, period, what they see, what they experience, what they're a part of. And those pictures would tell such a story, but they, they were destroyed because, as you said, part of his healing process. It makes me wonder how many actual factual parts of history we will never uncover because somebody destroyed it for part of their healing or guilt, or whatever the case may be. I have to believe that that amount of data would be insurmountable. Yes, yes, and that's true. And and what happened, um, if you watch the movie, The Memphis Bell, it's about a B-24 that did a full tour over over Germany. This this was what my dad went through. Mm. And, you know, so... So, you know, at 24 years old, I was in university at Lehigh struggling through, you know, engineering and uh, and uh, um, a fraternity life. And at 24, my dad was over Nazi Germany getting his rear end shot off. You know, so so I, I really don't have anything to complain about at all. So and when I started to find out what was really happening in this world. And I was told that this war in Ukraine, I, t- I was told about this in 2009, five years before it began. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I packed up and I said, oh, I could either go up into the mountains of Eastern Europe and, and, and sit in a sauna uh, drinking, you know, uh, sipping some vodka with, with my friends and family and uh, watch the debacle of the world or come back and fight. So I chose to come back. Um, and as you know, we're trying to create food security in this country because if we don't have it, we're, we're not going to be here long. So in many ways, um, despite you being delayed, you're inspired to come back and fight because of the sacrifices he made. Correct. That's that's why we say thank you to those individuals because they're, they're inspiring people in ways that they never know that they inspired to be a part of taking a stand to maintain this free and fed America. Correct. Yeah, our 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 debt to these guys is staggering. 
So that's why I get up um, <clears throat> every Wednesday and uh, give a report. Plus trying to change the entire paradigm on investment into small sustainable farms so that we have food so that we can defend our country. I want to talk about that when we come back, but um, last two minutes. Did did you have an opportunity? To, I mean, you had to find the flight logs from somebody else. What was your communication with him about this after that? Uh, he had passed away by that time. He he passed away when I was only 19. And so as was it, I, I think it's, um, um, oh, not Robert Frost, the other one. Um, uh, oh, it'll come to me. Uh, that uh, Mark Twain said, you know, at the age of 14, I couldn't stand to have the uh, my old man around. And then uh, by the time I um, I turned 21, I was really impressed on how much education he, he achieved. <laughs> right. Which is implying that, you know, when you're a kid, you don't know how wise your father is. Mm-hmm. Right. Until you start to mature yourself. So we never talked about the war at all. He never mentioned it. Hardly at all. Right. Just little pieces. Um, and then then he died before I was mature enough to sit down and discuss it. And that, my friends, is why we celebrate Memorial Day, so that we can pay tribute to those individuals who made a sacrifice. The sacrifice here is clearly just what people endure and and how they just can't talk about it. And the people and the loved ones around that want to help but can't help because the communication doesn't exist. That's where we pick it up when we come back. Last segment, roll out after this. We talk about the reliable supply of energy. In particular, we talk about electricity. I don't know how many times we have to say this. You continue to build demand for electricity from government policy at the same time that we cripple the production of electricity. Who's talking about this? I'll tell you who's talking about it, Lignite Energy. Because the people that are involved day in and day out, wet no matter the weather, at taking the coal from the soil, getting it to the plant, putting in the transfer lines, getting it to us, and we have taken for granted the reliability of that system for far too long. It's time now to latch on to the true impetus, impetus behind the people that make it happen, the people that keep the lights on, the people that bring coal and how life is powered by coal. That's not just a slogan. That's reality. And each one of us, whether we live in a coal state or not, should stand up and say, we demand reliable electricity. Go to Lignite.com for details and to be a part of the solution. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Lewis alongside J.C. Cole. Just walked us through a tremendous tribute to his father, which leads us into the other part of the fight that you're a part of. And too many times we stray from this. But if you really study the food policies that the United States has been charging down the path of, J.C., from a government standpoint, they're a replica of what, Nazi Germany stood for the National Socialist Party was trying to control the food system and and create a dependence upon the government. That's exactly what's happening now. And so we learn from that and we create 
a path that works. And that is what you're doing with what we'll label as safe haven farms. Yes. Um, and uh, if you if you actually look, 90 percent of our processed food is controlled by 10 corporations. There's a map. I'll send it to you. But there's a map showing on. You just don't realize it because those 10 corporations have like 100 corporations under them with different names. That's one. And then when you really look behind the curtain, those 10 corporations are all controlled by three investment funds. And I bet you you can't guess which one that is. No, no, probably Mutual of Omaha. Yeah, (laughs) right. BlackRock, Vanguard, and uh, what's the third one? State Street. Yeah. State Street, which is owned by Vanguard. So, yeah, so we have two. Basically, yes. I, I watched, I, I, I had a friend send me just a two minute clip of John D. Rockefeller and the ruthlessness of his building of a monopoly at the turn of the century. All right. I, I'm just perplexed, JC, and you bring us this message every single week, but I'm perplexed how a couple of three men who lived in 1900 building their wealth, here we are 123 years later paying the price. Right. And and let us, let us we started with, we've had anti-gravity um, for 40 years, so why, why didn't they tell us? Well, that would disturb the cash flow of petroleum. And we get right to Henry Kissinger, control oil, you control nations, control food, you control the people. So what, what is a, my project? American Heritage Farms is to build thousands of tiny, small farms and put the control of food back in the hands of local people. Okay. Um, it's a very simple concept. A limited menu uh, using the, the same processes of McDonald's that you can put up the farm very quickly and, and get your basic foods there, not not your, you know, more exotic stuff, but your basic foods. And and how do you do that? But really, you don't need anything beyond meat and potatoes. <clears throat> meat, <laughs> potatoes, and milk, eggs. I'm including eggs in the animal products. Well, well the other thing is you want hydro, uh, hydroponics in there because um, you can grow uh, year-round. That's one. And two is if, if we start to have volcanic winters, we can still we can still grow food. Yeah. Can you just do that in a greenhouse without the water aspect? Um, you you probably could. Oh yeah, definitely. Just um, um, it, it's uh, uh, there there are actually some good examples of that. I think actually the Chinese have a very interesting design where their greenhouses are all facing. South and their north wall is like a heat sink. Hmm. Yeah. So that they can grow uh, year round and capture the, the heat when it's there. And, and when it's not there, they, they bring it out, um, in their, you know, in their, their heat sink. I think sometimes they use manure. On, probably on the, probably on the not chicken manure either. No, no. So, so I mean, the technologies are invented, 
it's what happens is we don't have the model to actually go out and put them up. No one's thought about that. And and of course you're running you're running um, against the control of food. Well, now we, now we see it, and they're now now look what they're trying to do. The World Economic Forum is trying to get us to eat bugs and get rid of animal protein. Well, what does that do? Well, that, that makes you uh, unhealthy, and uh, and uh, we need certain certain fats and proteins for our brains to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it literally makes you more of a conformist and not the critical thinker you need to be for discernment to live. That's what it does when right. you eliminate animal then, products. Right. And they're, they're going to try to bring in that this uh, digital uh, currency that, um, by a central bank and, and give you, what is it, um, um, a social score so that they can control you and control your food. Yeah, that's all about the ESG score and, and Protect the Harvest has got a great story out on their website, protecttheharvest.com that parallels what's going on with the ESG score that is dominating so much of the capital into the companies that supply our food to a social score that China has put together on who plays and who doesn't play. It's, it's all about control. I hope people are waking up and understanding that today that we really, we think we defeated Nazism. We didn't. We just delayed it and transferred it to be a bigger deal. Yes, right. And now the whole thing, the whole world is in play. You know, you, to, to, this week, you know, Biden said that you know he's he'll send uh, uh, F-16s to Ukraine. So why is it that we are um, uh, defending a country five thousand miles away from us that we didn't give a crap about for the last fifty years? Well, this is because it's all being exposed. This cabal that has controlled the money and the banking for a, a, maybe even a thousand years is now being exposed. The same thing we just exposed, the food control, the oil control, right, the, and, and the energy control. right, And now it's being exposed. So they're trying to desperately get Putin to take, a, um, um, uh, take the first shot with nuclear weapons. So that would create World War Three, and then yeah. of course covers everything up. Everything goes into chaos, which is why we lived through World War One and World War Two. There was cover-ups that needed to be happening. Yes, yes. What, so li- literally, nothing changes other than the sacrifice of great men and women who love their country. And and it's generally the sacrifice of the innocent great women, uh, men and women, right? Um, who um, are just pawns in this big game, you know. As uh, what was it? Um, um, Smedley Butler, who was uh, I think the most decorated Marine in history, World War One said, "All wars are banker wars." Yes, they are. They're all banking wars yeah. of these royal elites. Yeah. So. One of the things that I wanted to touch on, uh, maybe we'll wait till next time. Um, but, uh, well, how many minutes do we have? Uh, four. But I, I just want to put a summary on that and then we'll move on. Truly, the reason that you and I fight is that we are fighting in a different way. We're carrying on that spirit of your father and all yeah. of those individuals who did show up at that war that was put on by bankers. But the way that we make a difference today is each in our own little way 
whatever the sacrifice may be, we say thank you to those who got us to this point. But most importantly, JC, now it's our turn. It's our turn to pick up the torch and continue to fight and work for that next generation. That That's true. If you want to, if you get on YouTube and, and uh, track down um, a speech given by Lieutenant Gerald Coffey, who spent, I think, seven years in the hotel um, um, in the um, Hanoi Hilton, um, which was um, a t- um, terrible place to be, being tortured every day. Um, one thing I wanted to do is, well, crime is going to start to escalate. It's already started. It has started. And a, a great a great book that I, I had read, um, read back in the 80s was The Truth About Self-Protection by Masad Wyoba, which is A-Y-O-O-B. It's kind of hard to find this, but I have the, um, the PDF of the book. So if anybody wants it, just uh, email me and I'll send that to you. Um, you know, that's at info at gmail.com. Or you go to the website, www.ahfarms.org, right? And also, there's a great, um, there's a great uh, a Canadian prepper YouTube on, and, and here's the title, How to Defend Your Property from the Purge. And if you search that, you'll find it, or I could send you the link to it. And, and it's about gearing up our security. One of, one of your... Uh, Contacts and friends had sent to me, and he he's um, what he sells cattle gear and 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 guns, and he's going to have to gear up his security before the system um, starts to break down. Well, it's actually starting to break down, you know. The, the um, but you, you've got to be ahead of the curve on this. Yeah, uh, in fact, I ask Joel Salatin who I had a conversation with this week, thanks to you and your nudging. But um, I said, Joel, I, I kind of live in the middle of nowhere. Not that I'm immune, but you're producing a lot of food right in the middle of a lot of people. What are you doing for security? He said, we're working on it. Trust me. You have to be working on it. I don't care where you're at. I mean, JC, I remember 1998 spending a week in Mexico and the, the fences around properties was just, it was just stunning. I could not believe the number of people who would put up a fence. We put up a fence to keep our stock in. Countries around the world put up a fence to keep thieves and criminals out. And lo and behold, in my lifetime, here we are. 30 seconds. Yep. Well, um, I would, I would get ready. Um, you know, but have faith. Well, you know, we, we've got a fight coming. And uh, and and prepare for it. Um. Like any good team, athletic or not, whatever the case may be, they don't just show up. They fight by by practicing and preparing and getting ready. And most of that preparing, by the way, I believe, is right here between your ears. Mentally being sound, implementing discernment. As always, my thanks to J.C. Cole. I'm Trent Lewis. Check out ahfarms.org. Did I get it right? Yes. <laughs> All roads do lead to roll route. I mentioned it in the context of our conversation today, but Protect the Harvest continues to be on the cutting edge of getting information to people who want 
to save ourselves. That's really, you have to decide you want to be a part of the solution. And then once you become part of the solution or make that decision to be a part of the solution, you arm yourself with information. The best place I know to get a, a cohesive amount of information to be well armed with information is protecttheharvest.com. That's how we maintain a free and fed America.